right in the back there, Twitten. Yes, thank you, sir. Oh, this is splendid. <laughs> oh, look, Brighton 56, Brunswick. We're already on the sides. Yes, sir, but the lights have changed, sir. So I've just got to concentrate on stopping. About and this bang, bang, come twice on the edges. Phew. Good morning. Oh, I <laughs> didn't mean to start here. We are off to Brighton in this funny old vintage car, and it isn't even the official rally today. <laughs> Is this the way? Oh, bye. We just left. Uh, sir, yes, Brunswick. Uh, you couldn't stop. Come on. Oh, nothing, sir. The Casebook of Inspector Steve by Kim Trust. Episode 2. On the Road. Everyone knows about the London's Brighton Rally, don't they? And you've all seen that delightful film, Genevieve, of course, and laughed your heads off when... <laughs> when he starts the car while she's opening that thermos of coffee and he hasn't noticed and it goes all down her and she's really soaked. <laughs> anyway, if there's one thing I love saying, it's our case this week concerns. So, our case this week concerns a drive from London to Brighton in a vintage car that was supposed to be just an innocent day out, but turned out to be a great deal more than that. As you may recall, there had been a certain amount of tension at the station between our young constable Twitten and the char lady, Mrs Groins. So when the Brighton Police Open Day Organiser, well that's me, was offered the very Clifton F model 1905 motor cradle that had been used to spring the notorious Brides in the Briny wife murderer Ronald Tigg from Lewis Prison on the eve of his hanging in February 1912, the inspector got the idea from somewhere or other that it might help restore things to normal if we could all four of us go up to London on the train, collect the car and make a day of driving the old girl all the way back to Brighton. That's an excellent idea, Mrs Groynes. I can't tell you how much I wish I'd thought of it myself. I'll tell the others. Let's see. Um, uh, Tuesday would suit me best, I think. Not Wednesday, dear. Are you sure? Well, I... I'll tell them Wednesday then, dear, shall I? Yes, of course. Oh, they'll be proper aerated by the news, dear. Do you think so? Oh, they'll feel super soapy for extra whiteness, or I'm not like the dog who went up in a Sputnik, dear which was how we came to be in South London on Wednesday morning. And, thanks to Mrs G, already slightly off the beaten track. Oh, I think it must be down here, dear. All right, Mrs G. Oh, hold on, everyone. Oh, sorry about that, sir. Are we nearly there, Mrs G? Very close, dear. Well, I can't help with any of this, I'm afraid, Brunswick. Even before we turned off the Brighton Road, none of it was remotely familiar from the film. Are you sure you've been going the right way? Oh, yes, sir. Positive, sir. Hello, dear. Right you are. I mean, this area here, for example, with all these old warehouses and so on, but it's positively dingy. And in the film, well, it, it, it's all wide-open countryside the minute they hit the Brighton Road. Actually, sir, it, it's quite a well-known fact that although Genevieve is all about the London to Brighton vintage car rally, they didn't film any of it actually on the Brighton Road. What's the point talking about, Brunswick? Of course they filmed it on the Brighton Road. They end up in Brighton. Oh, I think you may be right, actually, sir. 
Most of it was stolen for reasons of convenience around Pinewood in Buckinghamshire. I have an answer this visit. Oh, this is it, dear. I've just got to pop in, dear. I won't be more than two puffs of a capstan Caucasus Furs. Oh, lovely name, isn't it? Caucasus Furs. Makes you think of, well, the Caucasus and, and hers. Oh, I just need to go in and pay the deposit on the old HP, then I'll be back in a jiff. Oh, this is ever some good ideas to go so far out of your way, all the way to Caucasus Furs, round the back of Ballon. Just cause I've got a little errand. Caucasus Furs, sir? That's jolly interesting, sir. Now, this one's full. They recently had a shipment of first-class Russian sables, right, sir. now, is about... This? I was reading about it in Fur and Pelt Gazette in the library. Bang. That. Bang. Twice on the boom. Jit. Now, what were you saying about these fur people, whatever they're called, Twin? That's all right, sir. It's probably all in my mind, sir. But there's a rather interesting van parked right opposite the gate, sir. Did you notice? It has Brighton index plates. And the driver, sir, looks suspiciously like our old friend, Ronnie the Nerd. I didn't mean you to say, Twitten. You've been very quiet in the back there. I bought this ice spy on a car journey, sir. The advanced version, obviously. Well, my point was, you couldn't go back to being very quiet in the back there. Oh, good. Hello, Mrs. G. Oh, I had no idea she could move that fast, did you? I think she's all right. Whatever is that awful din? Flaming X, sir! There appears to be a robbery in progress. It does, sir. But why would Mrs. Groynes deliberately bring us here to witness it, sir? Look, I'm sure there's a perfectly innocent... Oh, Mrs. Groynes. <laughs> that was a very impressive sprint. Oh, my God. Oh, my good God. There were men with guns here. Men with blooming great guns. Really? Where? Oh, at Corkett's Furs, dear. Where? Corkett's Furs. Look, did anyone get the number of that What's that? I did, sir. Should I give pursuit, sir? Well, I'm, I'm not sure there's a lot of point. It's probably heading for Brighton, sir. The same as us. Oh, I bet it is, dear. And something tells me you three are going to catch it up and be positively covered in glory, dear. Really? Gosh. If you're going to move on, of course. Oh, well, I suppose we could follow it in a gentle kind of way, but honestly, guns, robberies. I thought we came up to London for the day expressly to get away from that kind of thing. I'm wondering, sir, whether actually we ought to stay in the area, sir, to help the local police. What? I mean, Mrs. Groys did actually see the perpetrators at close hand, which makes her a valuable witness. Oh, I was much too flustered to take anything in. I think we should carry on, dear. Do you? Yes, I do. I mean, imagine, dear. Imagine someone else gets all the glory of catching these blakes, dear. And then they make a film of it, dear. With Jack Hawkins playing Inspector Mescaline of the Met, dear. Inspector Mescaline of the Met? Jack Hawkins? Oh, whoever, dear, I'm speculating. Noel Powell, Harry Grant, and you, dear... Well, you're portrayed in a comical cameo as this country bobby on a day trip to the big smoke who just happens to be at the scene of the crime and misses it completely. Comical country bobby? I served the city of London police for 25 years. Mm, Played by Bernard Miles, dear, I shouldn't wonder. Rabbery, Pip? I didn't see no rabbery. (laughs) I still think it's our duty to go back, sir. No, put your foot down, Brunswick. Come on, come on. I've got to be able to go faster than this. What happens if I turn this thing up? I, I think engine catches fire, sir. Oh, oh well. Miles. And then Bernard Miles. 
I was just saying, Mrs. G, nothing around here reminded me of Genevieve very much. And, uh, well, that's probably because they filmed it mostly in Bucks, dear. I told him that. I don't, but surely... And you know that bit where the beautiful cake Kendall plays the trumpet and brings the ass down? Oh, yes. Well, that ain't really her doing that, dear, neither. You may well have noticed when reading reports of famous trials that a policeman's testimony often begins acting upon information received. Now, this can mean any number of things, and I have to tell you, it can sometimes be a bit shocking the lengths a policeman will go to in his pursuit of the truth. For example, sometimes a policeman may actually cultivate acquaintance with a loose-tongued criminal traitor, or grass who will render information of crimes in preparation just so long as its provenance is not identified later in court. <laughs> Personally, I never countenance such a blurring of the division between law and criminal. If you want results in the police, you must be prepared to work for them and wait for them. Oh, my God. Are we nearly there yet? This is Hurley, sir. You'll soon be on the open road. It'll be more like Genevieve then, sir. Although, not like Genevieve in any actual topographical particular, of course. Oh, we've been in this stupid car for four hours! Oh, three hours and ten minutes. It just goes tickety, 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 Why didn't anyone think to bring a picnic? This is gorgeous. Yes, Hello, what do you mean, sir? Just think a slice of gala pie with the egg in it. Oh, Are you honestly suggesting we might apprehend some Brighton villains? Honestly, yes, dear. We could sing One Man Went to Mozart. I'll pretend you didn't say that, Brunswick. How much of this success will be attributable to our superlative policing skills, Mrs. Goins? <laughs> None at all, dear. Will it be down even to luck or chance? No, dear. What are you two whispering about? I, I was just showing Mrs. Boynes my book, sir. Oh, great. You've got someone on the inside, haven't you? Who's going to scuffer the operation and hand it to us on a plate? Ronnie Van Erk, dear. Oh. He's a good boy. Always follows instructions to the letter. Oh, talking of which, keep your eyes peeled for a clue or two, dear. A clue? I've just had a thought of something, sir. Yes? A clue? A packet of oh. lovely Smith's crisp, oh. sir, with a little bag of salt inside. A ham sandwich with lashings of mustard, a homemade fairy cake with white icing, and one of those lovely little bottles of new Corona pineapple aid. Or Cydrax. And you think that's helpful, do you, Brunswick? No, there it is. Look, sir, by the side of the road. What? A fur hat, sir. The villains must have come this way. Stop the car. Oh, oh excuse uh, me, sir. I'll go and get it, sir. Easy, sir. He's got good eyes. I would never have thought that hat suspended at eye level to a police should beat him like that. Then come to us Look, sir, at the label. Caucasus hmm? first. We're on the right track. Well, it could be a coincidence, Constable. I agree, sir, but look what's inside, sir. What? A discarded lady's stocking, sir, with a label attached. Property of the Five Ways Gang. Raiding purposes only. That's a notorious gang in Brighton, sir. And there's this piece of paper as well, sir. Well... Plan for raiding Caucasus furs on Wednesday. Oh, all right. Let's see that. Here we are. Uh, 10 a.m. Park van outside with engine running. 10:05. Fat Vincent. Fat Vincent. To overcome sir. security man on gate. Fat Vincent. 10:10. Mm. Disable the alarm system. <laughs> Two S's in disable. 10:15. Steal seventy-five thousand pounds worth of. What? What? 
steal £75,000 worth of Siberian sables. £75,000? £75,000! Oh, here's a note of the Vans Index place as well. That's helpful. £75,000! There'll be a film about this, all right. I wonder if they could get Lawrence Harvey to play me, sir. He has just the right dark, dangerous animal quality, sir, don't you think? Oh, this is a lovely little book, Constable. <laughs> Sorry, dears, did I miss something? <laughs> Blimey, you all look like you've lost a tanner and found half a crown. The irony of it was that I'd just returned from a two-week course at the police driving school in Aldershot, learning all the techniques for pursuing villains. Contrary to the general impression created by lurid newspaper reports, the police driver is not trained to ram the vehicle of an escaping criminal, but to tail him closely, accelerating when the villain accelerates, slowing when he slows, the idea simply being to wear him down. Sooner or later, you see, the criminal loses his head and either stops of his own accord or begins to take risks that lead to his veering off the road. Yeah. None of this training, unfortunately, applied to the present situation. Somewhere a dozen miles ahead of us on the Brighton Road was a bunch of criminals in a speeding van. We were giving chase in a vehicle whose top velocity, downhill, freewheeling, was 25 miles per hour. So, what was all that eyewash about this being a famous getaway car then? It was a dare and jailbreak, Mrs. Groys, 1912. Ronald T was a notorious serial murderer. Good grief, not one of those true crime stories. I really hate them. Yeah, who married eight different non-swimming spinsters for their money, then made them go into the sea with him on their wedding nights. It was the same pattern every time. He drowned each one of them, Mrs. G. Charming countryside, everyone. The funny thing, in retrospect, was how these innocent brides in the briny never seemed to smell a rat. He would meet a new woman, see, and the first thing he'd ask was how much money she'd got, and the second thing he'd ask was whether she could swim. She wouldn't ask, ooh, why'd you ask, dear? Never. Women are terribly trusting creatures, Mrs. Goins, by all accounts. They have no guile, you see. I see, dear. So, on each occasion, the bride would say, I've got £56.10 saved up as it happens, dear, plus all these loose coppers and the contents of the gas meter. Oh, and, and funny you should ask, but I've never had a lesson in my life. I'd probably sink like a stone if push came to shove. Then, then he'd take out a large insurance policy on her life, of course, which she would actually sign. Just here, dear. Oh, you'll get £200 if I drown, but not much chance of that with you to look after me. Th then he'd marry her under an assumed name and take her straight to a seaside resort and kill her. Oh, just look at these headrooms. Quite superb. His cunning was always to select a different police jurisdiction in which to commit the offence, you see, and also to use a different name. So it was 14 years before anyone put two and two together. And how did he get caught then? One of the women survived. The one who tried to drown in Brighton turned out to have been lying about not being able to swim. She was quite the heroine in actual fact. Oh, uh, what was her name? Erica something. Edna Morrison, sir. That's right, Edna Morrison. What a woman she turned out to be. She was quite a woman. What a woman! Well, not a lot of people know this, sir. What? But Edna Morrison was actually a man. What? Who was a villain in his own right, sir. What? One man went to mow, went to mow a meadow, one man and his dog spot. All right then, this woman victim was a man after all. What of it? But Real name, Ernie May, sir. He used to dress up as a woman and fleece drunken day the sir. He had been a champion swimmer in his youth and sported shoulders like beach balls, so it's astonishing he got away with such a flagrantly bogus female disguise. 
But that's vital for us, I suppose. Are you sure about all of this, Twitten? Oh, yes, sir. The intended victim's transvestism was hushed up at the trial, of course, as it was deemed too sensational. Also, the judge got very confused whenever he tried to think through the ramifications. And since Tig himself had never suspected anything... I, I, can't, I can't take this in, Twitten. Oh, good. Then perhaps we could change the subject. They, they didn't ever mention it. But what about the car? Oh, not more. Oh, yes, well, uh, well, Tig was sentenced to death by hanging, I suppose, and then and then someone or other used this car to drive him off when he got over the wall. Something like that. But, but not very quickly, obviously. Getaways must have been a great deal slower in those days. They must, dear. They must have been like funeral processions. That was probably all I was driving at when I asked the question, dear, if I'm honest. Oh, it was such a long day. And it was this odd combination of hope and despair, you see. We were chasing after something, but something so far out of sight as to be possibly not there at all. And going so slowly. I always supposed that other motorists would be impressed by a vintage car, especially one filled with policemen. But it wasn't really like that. On one uphill stretch near Croydon, we were overtaken by a bunch of urchin boys on bicycles, some of whom actually dumped their picnic litter in our car before speeding off. It's no wonder that after a while, the initial excitement of the journey wore off. <laughs> I would dearly love to understand, and so would Superintendent Evans of the Flying Squad. What on earth prompted that man to steal that cheese? <laughs> but thank goodness he did, eh, Brunswick? <laughs> uh, thank goodness he did, eh, Quinton? Uh, uh, thank goodness. Oh, are we nearly there yet? Just about five more miles, sir. With any luck, we'll reach Brighton still in daylight, sir. Oh, I'd envision just having a nice lunch at a public house, Brunswick, hadn't you? Yes, sir. It must be a picnic on the downs. But when you're on the trail of a massive robbery in a car that travels at an average speed of 18 miles an hour, it might be deemed a bit irresponsible to spend an hour and a half chewing on a bit of pork pie, sir. I know, I know. We have a duty to try, sir. Yes, but we're crawling, Sergeant. And if we try to go faster, you said yourself we'll burst into flames. Remember the hare and the tortoise, sir. What time? The hare and the tortoise. What on earth are you on about now? It's one of Aesop's fables, sir. I do know that, and in my opinion, it's nonsense. Hare and the tortoise, indeed. What struck me all of a sudden? But surely, sir, it illustrates the point that superior speed, even in a racing situation, does not guarantee success. In the case of the hare and the tortoise, slow and steady actually wins the day, sir. And what allows this to happen, Twitten? Pardon, sir? How does the tortoise get to win? What does the hare do? Uh, I seem to remember it stops and has a lie down, sir, before the finishing line. Yes, and why? Why, sir? Yes, yes. Why does it do something so monumentally stupid? Well, that, that's not fully explained, sir. <laughs> but I think Aesop wants us to see the hare as a victim of his own complacency. Right, so is this wonderful fable of yours truly about speed or about the flawed personality of the hare? Come on, um, you're supposed to be the clever one, aren't you? Sir. No, 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 come on, Quinton, answer me. You're Mr. Clever of Clever Villas Cleverton in the county of Deepest Cleverton. Oh, sir. Come on. Look, look, if Quinton hadn't spotted that blasted hat by the side of the blasted road, this might have been a really nice day out. It's just a story, sir. He's only trying to help. Fast things always beat slow things. Yes, sir. Right. That sort of irresponsible fable just gives cruel false hope to tortoises. 
And I wouldn't be at all surprised if it also wastes extremely valuable police time. Yes, sir. Fascinating as all this is. Oh, look, no. what now? <gasps> um, I'm sorry, Mrs. Grimes, but I'm just. I'm just a bit hungry, I suppose. I'm, I'm tired. Bored. This endless. Endless tickety, 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 tickety noise. I mean, they never said to the film, did they? they? They never said how it would get inside your head and drive you mad. So, Mrs. Grimes, what was it you wanted to say? What I'm wondering is whether anyone bothered to read to the end of that incredibly useful raid plan we picked up earlier. Might give us a clue about what the gang was planning to do once it left London. Time of arrival in Brighton and so on. That's a very good point, sir. That's very good thinking, Mrs. Grant. Oh, no, dear, not really. I'll go around with my eyes shut half the time. You've no idea. Where is it? Where did I put that piece of paper? Gosh, I can't remember. Where did it go? I hope no one's lost it. It's inside the act, dear. Oh, you're right, Mrs. G. Here it is. Should I read it, sir? Or would you like to? I'd just like to say, I am genuinely sorry about being so clever all the time, sir. I, I don't seem to be able to control it. Well, go ahead. Oh, uh, well, gosh. Gosh, this is really good news for us, sir. No good, I had a feeling it might be. It seems from this timetable that the gang was intending to dawdle and zigzag like anything on its return journey, sir. For example, midday, turn off to East Grinstead for wool gathering and big lunch. 2.30, matinee showing of Genevieve at Alhambra. Hey, was he? Oh, really? 4.30... Bit of a lie down at Hassan. Does it say what time they intend to hit Brighton? 5.30 rendezvous Patcham. Don't forget to dispose of guns. Enter Brighton unarmed. Gosh, sir. But, uh, what time is it now, Brunswick? Quarter to five, sir. Well, how far is Patcham? Not far, sir. Not far? At 18 miles per hour. Well, hang on. We can do it, sir. Oh, oh yeah. If you catch him at Patcham, this might even get immortalised as the Patcham Catcham, dear. The Patcham Catcham? Oh, I can just see it in the headlines, can't you? Inspector Steen, the police ingenious behind the Middle Street Massacre, hmm. which is quite a long time ago now, of course. And also, the Patcham Catcham, just last week. Police give chase in vintage car. Got quite a ring to it, I'd say. Yeah, that's true, it does. It's almost as if someone had arranged it all, sir, don't you think? Oh, yes. yes, it's almost as if they'd gone to an enormous amount of trouble in actual fact to hand you a major robbery on a plate, dear. Those bad boys wanted to have you rendezvous with Essex, apparently, but I got Ronnie to talk them out of it. What's a lot right at Essex, Mrs. G? Apart from Cassocks. <laughs> Precisely, dear. Thank goodness you're here to appreciate all this. I'm wasted on those two, I really am. It never occurred to me, Brunswick, that the Middle Street Massacre was quite a long time ago now. Do people truly have such short memories? I'm sorry to be the one to break this to you, sir, but I met a Brighton villain the other day, sir, who hadn't even heard of the Middle Street Massacre. He hadn't heard of it? He hadn't heard of it? What well, that's... Are you sure if I turned this knob up a bit, the engine would really catch fire, Brunswick? Yes, sir. This is absolutely top speed, sir. I'm doing harm. What's that? I can see the van, sir. Really? Where? Yeah, sir. On the bend of the road, stationary. Oh, gosh, this is exciting. Right. Um, does anyone have a plan for what we do when we get there? What's happened to the engine? I don't know, sir. Did you touch that knob, sir? No, of course not, Brunswick. I mean, it's possible I may have nudged it. I'm thinking you. I can't control me, sir. Are those binoculars, Britain? Yes, sir. I had them with me for the ice fight. 
And I spy the van is off the road, parking to a ditch. Yes, yes. I can see two. Uh, three bodies on the verge, sir. Oh, conscious villains, I say. Maybe there's been a double cross. The pressure's building, Keep sir. Keep going, Grunty. I'm trying, sir, but the pressure, sir. Oh, give me those pictures. Oh, oh, right. Um, down there, somewhere. Um, oh. oh, no, that's probably a bit of a tree. There, there's sir. Where, but, but where? There. Oh, hold on, sir. Oh, of course you can, Grunty. You've been doing it all day. I, I think I think we should jump out, sir. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. Tell him to disconnect the hose. Oh, come on. You oh. could disconnect that hose, sir. Yes. What? Yeah, yeah, that could work. Yeah. Ow, ow, ow. Here's the Grunty, Oh, ow. Thank you. Oh, ow. Oh. Oh, oh, damn it! Oh, well oh, done, sir. Well done, sir. Yes, well done, Brunswick. Now, when we reach the scene, I'll go over the road to that public house to call for reinforcements, and you two go in with truncheons and whistles. Hey, how do you feel about being paid by Kenneth Moore this time, Brunswick? Oh, that would be most acceptable, sir. Right, ready, everyone? Stop the car just short of the corner. Whistles, truncheons. Oh, hang on. Anyone got any pennies for the telephone? Yeah, here you are, dear. And don't forget to press button A. Good thinking. You're right, Brunswick. You seem to be trembling. Oh, yes, sir. It's just come over me a bit, sir. I've been driving this vehicle for eight solid flaming hours, sir. And it's such a relief to stop. Oh, you're telling us. Right. You stay here, Mrs. G. Oh, anything you say, Inspector. Let's go! Come on, boys! Oh, what a great day that was! to catch five notorious Brighton villains red-handed and on a day when none of us was even looking for any. At the trial, Fat Victor kept saying the driver had portrayed them and laid a trail, but the inspector emphatically denied acting on information received. He told the press afterwards that the pure police instinct and staunch perseverance of three experienced officers had led to a heroic and historic arrest, and that while the Clifton F model 1905 motor cradle was hardly to be recommended as a chase vehicle, <laughs> he got a laugh for that, we should never ever forget Aesop's fable of the hare and the tortoise, with its eternally useful lesson that sometimes slow and steady wins the day. <laughs> In episode two of the Casebook of Inspector Scheme by Lynn Truss, Brunswick was played by John Ram, Twitten, Matt Green, Mrs. Groin, Samantha Spiro, and Inspector Steen, Michael Fenton Stevens. Music was by Anthony May. The producer was Karen Rose. The Casebook of Inspector Steen is a sweet talk production for BBC Radio 4. Next week in the Casebook of Inspector Steen... Morning, Sonny. Don't be shy. Look at this lovely exhibition of criminal artefacts we've put together. Sir, look out. What? The young shaver's got a gun, sir. What? Get down, get down for God's sake. What? <laughs>